is Wealth Wake Up with Dick Donahue on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. Welcome to Wealth Wake Up this Sunday morning. Dick Donahue with you here on KGMI. Well, government is too darn big. You know, two weeks ago, the yield on the 10-year Treasury note was hovering around 5%. The S&P 500 was in contraction territory, down over 10%. But then the 10-year yield dropped to 4.6%, Then the S&P 500 saw a 6% gain. This market volatility is attributed to changing sentiments. One, there was a belief that the Federal Reserve had lost control. But now, too, it seems that the Fed has achieved a soft landing, bringing a, a semblance of stability. While this may hold some truth, we remain cautious. If we step back and look at the U.S. economy from a distance, things don't really look so great. Our worries have roots all the way back to 2008, when the Fed altered its approach to monetary policy. The Fed shifted from a scarce reserve model to an abundant reserve model when it initiated quantitative easing, fundamentally changing how interest rates are determined. In the past, banks occasionally lacked the reserves that they were legally required to hold, prompting them to borrow from other banks with excess reserves through their federal funds trading desks, thus determining the federal funds rate through an active market. But today, banks are flush with trillions of excess reserves, eliminating the need for borrowing and lending reserves. Consequently, the Fed Front's trading desk has become obsolete. So, if banks are not creating a market for federal funds, where do the rates come from? Well, the answer, the Fed just makes it up, literally makes it up. Over the last 15 years, the Fed has held their funds rate below inflation 83% of the time. The last time the Fed kept rates artificially low was in 1970s. The result was inflation, but me even more importantly, banks and saving as loans lent at rates lower than they should have. The ultimate result was a dramatic downfall of the savings and loan industry, along with many banks, as the losses incurred from offering high interest rates to depositors while getting low rates from borrowers steadily eroded their capital. But today, U.S. commercial banks carry an estimated $650 billion loss in their held-to-maturity assets, but they don't have to mark them to market. Just imagine if this was 2008, Treasury Secretary Hank Paulson, Fed Chair Ben Bernanke, and FDIC Chair Sheila Baer were in charge. They would have insisted on mark-to-market. We would need TARP 2.0 to bail out the banking system. But what the Fed will do is pay these private banks and other institutions roughly $300 billion this year just to hold reserves. Without this payment from the Feds to the banks, profits would be lower and the losses on their books would be more painful. The point is we are making is the Fed has made a mess of the banking system. While we've averted major crises so far, it's the taxpayers who ultimately bear the burden. That $300 billion that the Fed pays to banks doesn't appear out of thin air. And unless interest rates decrease significantly, these losses are going to accumulate. Why isn't Elizabeth Warren fuming over this? Like the 1970s and 80s, because we don't have mark-to-market accounting on these held-to-maturity assets, the banks can eventually earn their way out of this abyss. So this doesn't mean that the economy will suffer, other than the fact that the banks have less ability to make new loans. This is exacerbated by the Fed engineering decline in the M2 measure of money. This has fallen by 3.6% in the last year, the most substantial drop since the Great Depression. Some of this decline is because since 2008, the Treasury Department has started holding a great deal of cash in its checking account at the Fed. For decades, it held just $5 billion as a cash management tool. This number soared after QE started, and as of November 1st of this year, the Treasury General Account, or what we call TGA at the Fed, held $820 billion. Again, they used to hold just $5 billion, now $820 billion. This money is part of the Fed's balance sheet, but it doesn't count as M2. 
So when the treasury borrows from or taxes the private sector and then puts the money aside for its own TGA, it'll lower M2. In other words, the treasury has helped engineer a decline in M2. The treasury could use this $820 billion to reduce debt, but it isn't and hasn't. And taxpayers are going to pay roughly $40 billion per year in interest just so the Fed, Treasury and the Fed can hold this cash. This new method of managing monetary policy appears fraught with risks. Instead of stabilizing banks, it has introduced instability, proved costly to the taxpayers, and contributed to the worst inflation since the 1970s. We aren't saying that the economy can't survive, but the idea that everything will turn out perfectly seems like wishful thinking. The government has expanded significantly since 2008, with federal government spending growing from 19% of GDP in 2007 to 25% last year. And the Fed's balance sheet has expanded from 6% of GDP in 2007 to 33% of GDP. It's evident that we no longer operate in a free market capitalist system. And while government involvement in the economy is not new, it has reached unprecedented levels. That's our thought for the week. Let's go ahead and look at our global roundup. We're seeing that Powell, Fed Chair Powell in this case, warns against looser financial conditions. But Friday's of Friday, global equities were little changed on the week. The yield in the 10-year U.S. Treasury note rose was 8 basis points to 4.59% after $108 billion in Treasury auctions and cautionary words from the U.S. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell. The price of a barrel of West Texas Intermediate crude fell sharply to 76.80 from 83.50 a week ago. And volatility is measured by the CBOE Volatility Index, or VIX, held steady at around 15. Looking at macro news, where Powell slows the market's roll. In wake of the most recent Fed Open Market Committee meeting and a softer-than-expected employment report, U.S. bond yields slipped quite substantially, and enough it would appear to prompt Fed Chair Powell to caution markets to not loosen financial conditions excessively. Powell warned that markets of the Fed won't hesitate to tighten more if appropriate and said he's confident that the central bank has achieved the policy stance necessary to hit its 2% inflation target. Markets reacted by tightening conditions, pushing bond yields and dollars higher and equities lower. They now believe the Fed's first rate cut will occur in July of next year rather than in June. And the loan officers are remaining in a foul mood. We're seeing the Fed's senior loan officer opinion survey shows that bank lending standards remain tight over the past quarter and demand for credit stayed weak. And though there were pockets of improvement, the survey reports metrics that have historically corresponded with recessions. Regarding loans to businesses, survey respondents on balance report higher standards and weaker demand over the third quarter for commercial and industrial loans to firms of all sizes. The same goes for all commercial real estate loan categories. For loans to households, banks report that lending standards tightened across all categories of residential real estate loans other than the government residential loans for which standards generally remain unchanged. And we're seeing that the RBA tax on a final rate hike. And that, what that, is, that means is that the Reserve Bank of Australia hiked its cash rate a quarter percent to 4.35%, its highest level in 12 years. However, markets expect the tightening move to be the last of the cycle. The central bank eased its tightening by us saying further tightening of monetary policy is required to ensure that inflation returns to target in a reasonable time frame will depend upon the data and the evolving assessment of risks, a statement markets interpreted as dovish. Dick Donahue with you with Wolf Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be back shortly. Hi, I'm Brad Barron, CEO at Barron Heating, AC Electrical and Plumbing. We are grateful to have served you for over 50 years. As a thank you for choosing Barron, we're giving back through our Barron Furnace Fund this holiday season. Thanks to you, our team is thrilled to be able to give a furnace to three families in need of heat this winter. Here at Barron, we know the importance of keeping your home safe, warm, and comfortable. The Furnace Fund will provide proper heat for a family that would otherwise go without. 
So as the weather gets cold, help us eliminate one more worry for those in need by giving the warmth of a furnace. If you know a family that can benefit from this gift, we want to hear about it. Visit barronheating.com for details and to recommend a deserving family now through November 30th. Barron, your full-service HVAC electrical and plumbing contractor. Our mission, improving lives. Ready to upgrade your comfort system? For a limited time, Barron is offering a free water heater with the purchase of a new heating and cooling system. Don't wait. Call Barron for details today. Another D&D insurance commercial? Ah, and yes, it's that time of year again. If you're in the age bracket of Medicare or you're helping a parent who happens to be on Medicare, this is when you listen to the whole commercial. The annual election period starts October 15th and it runs through December 7th. You should be receiving your annual notice of change from your existing carrier. Pay attention because those changes are right there in the book. And of course, if it feels like you're reading a different language when you look at it, that's what we're here for. Hi, I'm Derek from D&D Insurance. Our staff takes the mud out of the healthcare waters and explains it clearly so that you can make an informed decision. Bring in that book this year and let us help. We're located across the street from Industrial Credit Union in the Ferndale Market Center. You'll see us sandwiched between the auto licensing and downtime taps. Or give us a call at 392-8159. We look forward to seeing you here at DND Insurance. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. If tomorrow all the things were gone, I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again with just my children and my wife. Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you this Sunday morning. Want to get a hold of us? Well, we're Asset Advisors. We're located out on the Pacific Highway. That's out in Old Highway 99 in the Pacific Commerce Center, next to Wilson's Furniture, just to the south of them. And our address is 5060 Pacific Highway, Suite 101, Ferndale, 98248. Our phone number, 360-733-1200. Check out our website at wealthwakeup.com or at assetadvisorsllc.net. That's assetadvisorsllc.net. Okay, continuing on with our global wrap-up for the week. We saw that the International Monetary Fund is upping China's growth forecasts. It raises 2023 and 24 economic growth forecasts after repeated rounds of fiscal and monetary stimulus. The IMF sees 2023 growth beating China's 5% target, reaching 5.4% this year before tailing off to 4.6% next year amid subdued external demand and continuing weakness in property markets. The IMF's recent World Economic Outlook had pegged 2023's growth rate at 5% and 2024's at 4.2%. Over the median term, growth is projected to gradually decline to about 3.5% by 2028 amid headwinds stemming from weak productivity and an aging population. That's according again to the IMF. Data released this week shows that growth continues to face challenges as China's exports slumped 6.4% in October, the sixth straight monthly decline, while foreign direct investment posted its first decline since 1989. And looking at some of our quick hits here, we're seeing that credit card balances are now $154 billion higher than they were a year ago. That's the largest annual increase since the Federal Reserve Bank of New York began tracking the data in 1999, researchers said in a blog post. The increase in balances is consistent with strong nominal spending and real GDP growth over the same time frame, the bank said, while noting that delinquencies have been rising from record low levels. European Central Bank President and Prime Minister of Italy, Mario Draghi, said this week that he is almost sure that Europe will be in a recession by year end. Draghi warned that the European Union's past model of relying on the U.S. for defense, China for trade, and Russia for energy had ended. South Korea announced that it's going to ban stocks short-selling until June of next year, to give regulators time to improve rules and systems. And we saw the Portuguese Prime Minister resigned on Tuesday amid a corruption probe into his administration. 
We saw the Bank of England's chief economist, Hugh Peel, said this week that it would not be unreasonable for investors to predict a rate cut next summer. And the U.S. military attacked an Iranian weapons depot in Syria this week in retaliation for repeated drone and missile attacks against U.S. troops in the region. U.S. President Joe Biden, China's President Xi Jinping, are scheduled to meet next week in San Francisco on the sidelines of the APEC summit. All among the issues expected to be discussed is a reestablishment of direct military-to-military communications channels. And the Fed is reverse repo facility fell below $1 trillion this week for the first time in two years, as investors increasingly purchased treasury bills rather than park funds at the Fed. The use of the facility peaked at over $2.5 trillion at the end of 2022. Well, a poorly received 30-year treasury bond auction prompted the backup in yields on Thursday afternoon as the issue trailed after five basis points to 4.769%, from 4.71% at the auction deadline. We saw the U.S. subsidiary of China's ICBC Bank is hit by a ransomware cyber attack, and some suspect that the ripple effects from the attack may have contributed to the poor tone of Thursday's bond auction. We saw a bipartisan group of U.S. senators led by Senator Joe Manchin, Democrat of West Virginia, and Mitt Romney, Republican of Utah, this week introduced a bill that would create a bicameral fiscal commission tasked with finding legislative solutions to stabilize and decrease the national debt. Manchin made additional news Thursday when he announced that he will not seek re-election. And after months of serving as a caretaker, Spain's Socialist Party formed a government in the wake of a controversial agreement with the Catalan separatists to keep Pedro Sanchez in power as prime minister. We saw the Bank of Japan. Governor Keizo Yudi said this week that the central bank will move carefully to raise rates as hikes could pose serious challenges to Japan's financial system. And European Central Bank President Christine Lagarde said that the ECB will not start cutting rates in the next couple of quarters. People's Bank of China Governor Pam Gongxing this week called financial risks in China's property sector manageable. And the inflation expectations over the coming 5 to 10 years rose 3.2%, according to a University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment Survey. That's the highest reading since 2011. And with earnings news, with just under 92% of the constituents of the S&P 500 index having reported for the third quarter of 2003, blended earnings per share, which combines reported data with estimates from those that have yet to report, show that earnings rose 4% compared to the same quarter a year ago, according to data from FactSet. Sales growth is up 2.2% year over year. And we always you give us these economic updates that we received during the week. And this year, we're kind of short, or this week, I should say, we're kind of short on those. The September International Trade Report came out, and the trade deficit in goods and services grew at a $61.5 billion in September as imports grew faster than exports. However, we do prefer to focus on the total trade volume, which is imports plus exports, as it shows the extent of businesses and consumer interaction across the U.S. border. This measure exploded higher, expanding by $14.2 billion in September. However, it remains down 1.3% versus a year ago. And although the growth in September is positive, exports are only up a half a percent versus a year ago, while imports are still down 2.7%, consistent with our forecast that the U.S. is headed towards a recession. And while a recent surge in the federal budget deficit might have helped U.S. economy avoid recession in the short term, this kind of artificial support cannot last. Notably, there's a major shift going on in the pattern of U.S. trade. So far this year, imports from China are down 24.3% year-to-date versus the same time frame a year in 2022. China used to be the top exporter to the U.S. Now the top spot is held by Mexico, with Canada and China flip-flopping month by month between second and third. 
Meanwhile, daily freight rates have rapidly fallen and are back down to pre-COVID levels or lower as demand for shipping is also weakened. This was confirmed by the New York Fed's global supply chain pressure index in September, with the index staying in negative territory, 0.70 standard deviations below the index's historical average. Weaker demand, coupled with an easing of parts shortages and less shipping congestion, have pulled the indicator lower. Another positive in the report was the dollar value of U.S. petroleum exports, which exceeded imports once again. This marks the 19th consecutive month of the U.S. being a net exporter of petroleum products. We are shipping more and more oil out of this country. And we saw a report came out this week that the IRS is warning taxpayers to be wary of fake charities says doing your own due diligence before donating is now more important than ever. They said times of international crisis tend to correlate with an uptick in charitable giving, and currently there's no shortage of international crises. The recent terrorist attacks in Israel, the ongoing war in Ukraine, the Hawaii wildfires, and just name a few. The inboxes are flooded with solicitations from charitable organizations. It creates an opportunity for scammers to mix in with the legitimate crowd. The Internal Revenue Service recently released guidance warning taxpayers to be wary of fake charities. IRS Commissioner Danny Werfel cautions the criminals are quick to try to take advantage of public generosity. They use tactics similar to those employed in other types of scams, such as fake emails, fake websites, spoof calls that look like they're coming from the legitimate charity's phone number. Often the fake charities have names that sound very similar to legitimate charitable organizations. In addition to money, these scams are also used to acquire personal information to exploit further victims through identity theft. Verify before donating. The IRS recommends that individuals make donations use the IRS tax-exempt organization search tool, or TEOS tool, on their website to verify that the charity is authentic. That is the IRS's tax-exempt organization search tool. The TEOS can also check the charity's eligibility to receive tax-deductible charitable contributions and allows the user to search for information about an organization's tax-exempt status and findings. Again, that is the Tax-Exempt Organization Search, or TEOS, tool. The IRS recommends unsuspecting donors that if they fall for a charity scam, not only do the proceeds not reach those that need help, but the donor can also cannot deduct their donation to fake charity on their tax return. A couple of additional tips. Here are some further tips shared by the press release. First, verify first. Scammers frequently use names that sound like well-known charities to confuse people. Potential donors should ask the fundraiser for the charity's exact name, their website, and mailing address so that they can independently confirm the information. You should use the TEOS system to verify if an organization is a legitimate tax-exempt charity. And don't give in to pressure. Scammers often pressure people into making immediate payment. In contrast, legitimate charities are happy to get a donation at any time, so donors should not feel rushed. Number three, don't give more than needed. Scammers are on the hunt for both money and personal information. Taxpayers should treat personal information like cash, not handed out to just anyone. And four, be wary about how a donation is requested. Never work with charities that ask for donations by giving numbers from a gift card or by wiring money. In other words, don't go out and buy them a gift card or don't do it by wiring money. That's a scam. It's the safest to pay by credit card or check and only after you verify that the charity is real. And lastly, the IRS urges taxpayers to report instances of charity or disaster fraud to appropriate authorities. Dick Donahue with you with Woke Wake Up here on KGMI. We'll be back shortly. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI traffic alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM, and KGMI.com. 
KGMI has been the voice of our community for over 90 years, presenting the news and information that matters here, while also offering you the chance to have your voice heard. And that commitment continues. Start your day with the KGMI Morning News with Deanna Harrelock from 6 to 9. And don't miss your chance to voice your opinion on the news of the day with Joe Tian on KGMI Connects each weekday at 4. KGMI is your news talk station. New Warden Bodie's Black Friday Early Access Sale is underway, and you don't want to miss it. Black Friday pricing is available now on appliances, barbecues, mattresses, and more at all three New Warden Bodie locations in Bellingham and Burlington. Now is the time to prepare for the holidays with extra special savings on all things cooking, like ranges, wall ovens, cooktops, microwaves, and more, plus delivery and installation before Thanksgiving. Upgrade your mattress this weekend with Black Friday savings on Tempur-Pedic, Sealy, and Stearns and & Foster. You'll also find savings up to 50% off on end-of-season closeouts and floor model appliances and mattresses. Keep your cash for the holidays and pay no money down and no interest for two full years on qualifying appliances and up to five full years on qualifying mattresses. Shop in confidence with DeWard and Bodie's 30-day local price match guarantee so you know you're getting the best price in town. Shop the biggest sale of the season during Black Friday early access at DeWard and Bodie right now in Bellingham and Burlington. Financing OAC offer qualifications apply. You've earned your retirement and you're ready to fully embrace it. So why not do it with style at Meadow Greens Retirement? You'll enjoy active, independent living with amenities like the library lounge, wellness program, and expansive social calendar. Indulge in three daily meals made from scratch, get pampered at the on-site salon, and join in for Friday night socials. Meadow Greens is active retirement, the only locally owned retirement facility in the county with one and two bedroom apartments with full kitchens available offering the freedom of eating in or enjoying a meal at the Outward Nine or the Duck Hook Bistro. Meadow Greens can also be of help when it's time to transition from an independent apartment to assisted living. Hi, I'm Josh Howe, director here at Meadow Greens. I'd like to personally invite you to come to our community. I look forward to showing you all that we have to offer. Call Meadow Greens today to arrange a private tour at 354-8200 and online at meadowgreenslinden.com. The grass is always greener at Meadow Greens. Generosity pays, and West Edge Credit Union wants to encourage a little generosity. Now through the end of the year, receive an extra quarter point discount off your interest rate on any car, truck, or motorcycle loan from West Edge, and no payments for 90 days when you donate $25 to a local charity. Now that's a win-win. Offer valid through December 31st on approved credit. See West Edge for details. West Edge Credit Union, federally insured by NCUA, on the corner of James and Alabama. Online at westedgecu.org home. It's the heart of your world, a place where life blooms in every season. At Vista Materials, they understand the essence of home. Not just wood chips or firewood, but the warmth of a crackling fireplace, the crunch of wood chips underfoot. They don't just sell materials, they deliver comfort. Vista Materials in Ferndale, your one-stop shop for premier landscaping materials. Order online for effortless delivery. Prepare for fall and winter. Avoid muddy areas with ground cover wood chips. Visit vistamaterialsinc.com. I'm Secretary of State Steve Hobbs. Voting for the general election ended November 7th, but results are not final until counties certify later this month. Your local election office will continue receiving ballots that were postmarked by Election Day and will make sure every valid vote counts. Check the status of your ballot by visiting votewa.gov. That's V-O-T-E-W-A dot G-O-V. Sponsored by the Office of Secretary of State and aired in cooperation with the Washington State Association of Broadcasters and this station. Thursday night football comes to Seattle on Thanksgiving night as the Hawks host the San Francisco 49ers at Lumen Field. We want to make your turkey day extra special and send you to Seattle for the NFC West showdown. We're giving away two tickets to one lucky listener as the Hawks host the Niners on Thursday, November 23rd, Thanksgiving night. To get registered, just go to this station's website and click the contest tab. Then find the Seahawks vs. 49ers sweepstakes and fill out a registration form. Entries close November 21st at 12 p.m. For more details, visit this station's website. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. Tired of inefficient heating, poor indoor air quality, and rising energy bills? Contact West Mechanical today to explore going ductless with a system from Mitsubishi Electric Heating and Air Conditioning. Find them at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. 
Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue here with you. I'm going to talk here about how inflation is lifting our tax ceilings. Inflation has lifted our tax ceilings for the federal tax brackets like never before. Since indexing began nearly 40 years ago, that means indexing tax rates to inflation every year, the jump between 2022 and 2023 federal tax brackets is the largest on record, both in percentage and in terms of dollar amounts. For instance, the top ordinary bracket for single filers now starts at $578,125. That's a 7% year-over-year surge of more than $38,000. And what's particularly impressive about the record leap is that in these days, the federal brackets are adjusted using what we call the Chained Consumer Price Index for All Urban Consumers, or the CCPIU, which typically produces smaller increases than the previously used CPIU. And so the upshot is that this year you can report more income than last year while maintaining the same marginal tax rate. Whether you're eager to cash in your Series I savings bonds or, as many advisors advocate, convert the pre-tax retirement money to a Roth account in hopes of avoiding potential higher taxes come 2026 when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act could sunset. Considering today's 22% tax bracket for joint filers, it is $12,600 higher than last year. In other words, the 22% bracket now goes up to $190,750. Those making required minimum distributions from their retirement accounts may have the most opportunity to report more income because 2023 RMDs are based on account values at the end of 2022, a year in which equities sank. Someone with a $30,000 required minimum distribution in 2022 roughly has about $25,000 RMD this year. And that suggests at least about $20,000 extra room in that 22% bracket for a married couple who are 73 years old or older, if you include the increase in their standard deduction. Of course, retirees' higher Social Security income is going to eat up some of that bracket expansion. We're also seeing that mutual fund distributions might eat up some of it, too. When markets were up significantly but volatile along the way, that can be a year when mutual funds take larger than normal capital gains distributions. So be on the lookout for those distributions. And maxing out a tax rate is one thing. Triggering a higher Medicare premiums is another. So you should keep an eye on the income brackets for Medicare's income-related monthly adjustment, or IRMA as we call it, while maneuvering income into 2023. We don't want to bump you up to the cost where your Medicare Part B and Part D go up two years from now accidentally. At least we want to make sure that you know that that's going to happen. However, and we've got a program we call Plan that we can actually scan in your 2022 tax return, for example, and do a bunch of what-ifs with you to help you maybe take a look at that type of thing. We do run a lot of those. And, you know, some cases you want to do it intentionally. You want to try to pack income in one year so that when you pay that IRMA, you pay it for one year and not for multiple years. So that is something also to look at. Then we have the backdoor blues. These days, nothing is more tax fashionable than a backdoor Roth conversion in which you make a non-deductible contribution to a traditional IRA retirement account and then you convert it to a Roth ideally paying tax only on the minimal increase, if any, in the account's value after the initial contribution until the conversion. In other words, you can put money into an IRA and then immediately convert it to a Roth IRA, even if you don't qualify to normally put money in a Roth. However, I'm going to give you a caution here. One of the common mistakes we're seeing is failing to understand that if you have other pre-tax IRAs, So it's important because the IRA, the the year that you want to convert, making having another traditional IRA or a rollover IRA, a SEP IRA or a simple, can actually subject the conversion to having to do what we call pro rata rules. So uh, it's important to understand if you already have regular IRAs, if you want to try to do the back door, we have to look at those regular IRAs you already have and figure out what impact this is going to have. The best person to do it is somebody that does not already have a regular IRA, has money they want to put away, put it in, can't deduct it into a Roth IRA normally, but you put it in the regular IRA and then you do that conversion. 
but these can, in large cases, render a large part of the conversions taxable, depending on your circumstances, although you can avoid that by rolling these IRAs in. Also, if you have a 401k, or if you qualify for a solo 1k or an employer plan, you could roll those IRAs into an employer's plan first, and then do the backdoor Roth. And then let's see, the backdoor Roth needs to be considered in the context of your aggregate retirement portfolio structure. In the case of a married couple, both spouses can take advantage of a backdoor Roth, even if one does not earn wages. If that's not enough, you can also aim to maximize your 2023 contributions to your employer's retirement plans. Many are coming up short. The indexing has boosted these, the uh, contribution limit on a 401k, for example, $27,000 a year ago to 30000 this year if you're over 50 and older. There's a substantial increase, and some can adjust your contributions to account for it. In many cases, they didn't. So if you haven't, you can go back in, account for that between now and year end. You should also check your withholdings. The interest rate that the IRS currently charges on tax underpayments has soared along with interest rates in general. You could avoid interest penalties by verifying that you meet the estimated tax safe harbor. In other words, that you've paid to the feds and through withholding or estimated tax payments at least 100% of your 22 total tax, or 110% of it if last year's adjusted income, gross income topped 150000 or $75,000 for married individuals filing separately. Many, as long as they won't have to pay interest or a penalty, are fine knowing that they owe the IRS at tax time. They prefer to have the money collecting interest until April 15th rather than giving it to the government early. And one for entrepreneurs, beginning tax year this year, 23, sole proprietors are able to set up a self-employed 401k plan before their filing tax deadline, including extensions, and make contributions for the prior year. So if you're self-employed, especially solo, used to be you had to set these up by the end of this year in order to take the deduction. Now you can actually go out there, calculate out what your taxes are for 2023. If you're self-employed, especially sole proprietors, set up a self-solo 401k for this year and take that deduction for 2023 when you're ready to do your 23 tax return. That is good for entrepreneurs. A solo 401k lets you to contribute both as an employer and an employee, offering larger deferrals at other plans. In other words, in this for 2023, that solo 401k, you can put away up to $66,000. And if you're over 50, you can put up to $73,500. So some substantial reasons for you to take a look at trying to take advantage of that type of contribution if it's available to you. And I got an IRA conversion question here about an upfront charge on a Roth conversion. Since we're talking about doing Roth conversions, we're seeing that many retirees are considering converting their traditional IRA to a Roth. It's important to understand that all the potential costs, including those IRMA and those taxes and Medicare taxes we talked about. And, there, and the question was, was there an upfront charge, especially besides the income tax or income-related monthly adjustment? And the answer basically is, no, there is no charge for a Roth conversion. But you need to be aware of those other taxes that potentially are due, including what we call the self-tax of such as the IRMA. The amount converted from a traditional IRA to a Roth IRA is subject to ordinary income tax in the year it's conversion. This includes any pre-tax contributions and earnings that were in the traditional IRA. The IRMA, or IRMAA, is an extra charge added to the premiums for Medicare Part B, which is your medical insurance, and your Part D prescription drug coverage for beneficiaries with higher incomes. Basically, they look at that income that you pay. Two years later, you will end up paying those IRMA taxes. So just something to be aware of. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up. We will be right back. Honey, look what I brought home. Not a cat. You know I'm allergic. Well, you know what they say. When the cat's away, the mice will play. (laughs) Why didn't you just call BioBug? Have you had enough of playing cat and mouse? BioBug Pest Management is here to help. Whether you have rats or mice in your business, residence, or commercial building, BioBug is committed to providing a solution that's right for you. To learn more and get your free quote, visit BioBug.com. BioBug Pest Management. Service you trust, experience you expect. Now hiring service tech. You love what you find at Wilson's. 
Wilson's Furniture's Black Friday sale is on. Your chance to save on furniture for every room in the home before those holidays with special savings on mattresses to help everyone get a great night's sleep. Wilson's, open seven days a week on Pacific Highway. My hospital stay would have cost $25,000, but with VA healthcare, it's free. My education would have cost $42,000, but with VA benefits, my books, tuition, and housing are all covered. The down payment for my home would have been $74,000, but with my VA home loan, my down payment was zero. My service was then. My benefits are now. Get what you earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Not all veterans are eligible for the type or amount of benefits mentioned here. Sign up for the CHS Northwest Propane Autofill Program and receive a cellular tank monitor with no monitoring fees. Plus, you'll be able to review your daily tank level readings from your smartphone or tablet. CHS Northwest, everything you need for home and farm. Online at chsnw.com. Every day, KGMI brings you the latest news and information, and we also give you a chance to express your opinion on a major news story of the day. Go to KGMI.com anytime and take part in our daily news poll to see what others are thinking and add your voice. We'll have an update during the KGMI afternoon news, and we'll give you a final tally and a new question each day during the KGMI morning news. Be part of the conversation with the KGMI daily news poll, another informative and free feature from KGMI. Cause there ain't no doubt I love this land God bless the USA Welcome back to Wealth Wake Up. Dick Donahue with you. Again, if you got questions for me, give me a call. 360-733-1200. Well, we're going to continue talking here about gifting and Roth IRAs and some of those things you can keep thinking about for this year-end 2023 tax moves. It is something for you to take advantage of. We're finding a lot of these are time-tested year-end moves. They might be sensible in these last weeks of 23, especially with the possible expiration of some of the 2017 tax provisions in just 27 months that should figure in your planning. So without congressional action, certain provisions of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, or TCGA, many involving estate planning and sunset at the end of 2025. That would be at the end of 225. The current estate tax exemption is $12.9 million per individual. For example, in 2026, the exemption could plunge to about $6 million. So right now, you can take over $25 million if you had a lot of money. And there's some things you can do by gifting and getting it out of your state now. That amount would drop to about $12 million in 2026 at current rates. Wealthy taxpayers, specifically those with net in worth, net worth exceeds $12 million, will be well served by employing a prudent and appropriate gifting or trust strategy to begin shifting assets out of their taxable estate to their heirs. Gifting plans for post-25 can help. Taxpayers can gift up to any individual up to $17,000 without filing a gift tax return. Couples can gift up to $34,000. One smart move is to accelerate gifting to 529 accounts for kids or grandkids. You can give up to five years' worth of gifts at once, or $85,000 for in 2023 to any beneficiary. So this is one of the things that we do a lot of, our 529 plans. And as I said, you can gift up to $17,000 each, but you can also do up to $85,000 where you lump together up to five years at one time. We can also have current interest rates that do present opportunities, mainly for qualified personal residence trusts and charitable remainder trusts. Taxpayers should also evaluate their annual exclusion and direct educational and medical gifting and look at potentially maximizing gifting that can be done without having to use any of their lifetime gift exemption or pay gift tax. For gifts or assets that require a qualified appraisal, such as a closely held business interest, it may be strategic to wait until the end of the year to finalize the gifting so that one appraisal can potentially be used for both year-end and early-year gifting. The downturn in the market has also created some opportunity combined with income tax rate increases in 2026. Again, we mentioned Roth conversions that are really prevalent as we approach the year-end. Converting traditional or rollover Roth funds to a Roth by year-end can strategically manage your tax bracket, help reduce required minimum distributions later, and potentially provide tax-free income in retirement. By year-end, individuals also typically have a pretty good sense of where they'll fall within their tax brackets. So Roth, Roth conversions allow you to accelerate income to fill potentially lower brackets. Again, I talked about that 22% bracket in my last, last segment I talked about 
you can take advantage, fill that up, use up as much as you can. Might make some sense. Then you can also bunch charitable gifts into 2023, especially if you do not use the standard deduction. So you have to exceed the standard deduction to make that one work. Now, the other thing you can do, and we've talked about this a lot on the show, especially if you're over 70 and a half, is you can do qualified charitable donations out of your IRAs. The beauty of that is you make that donation to the charity, it does not count as taxable income to you. So it's the same thing as reducing your taxable income by that amount, something that we do a lot of. You can also take advantage of increased standard deduction under the Tax Cuts Act for 24 and 25, then go back to itemizing your deductions in 26 after the sunset provisions take place. Now, again, we don't know what's going to happen with your standard deduction, what, how they're going to make changes in that. That is something for that we need to think about. And, of course, we've already said, talked a little bit about funding and employer-sponsored retirement plans, but that is something to look at. If you're not taking advantage of the maximum, you should be doing that. But you have cutoff dates, and once the year is over, you typically cannot go back and put more money in them later on. So you need to take advantage of that while you can. And there should be more clarification next year on what provisions are likely most likely to sunset. With 24 being an election year, we do anticipate that the landscape as it relates to which provisions may expire and which extended will be a lot clearer by the end of next year than it is now. We think politicians will talk about that type of thing. We'll see how far they want to go with it. The higher-earning taxpayers should work with the assumption that taxes are almost certainly going to be higher in the future. So take advantage of some of those options that you have today that are available to you. Well, it's also saw an interesting study come out that said that the top-earning U.S. men see their wage growth after age 35, even as others see it fade. And they said that most U.S. male workers experience the bulk of their wage growth by the time they're age 35. High earners continue to see pay increases after that, widening wage disparity with age, research by an economist at the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis has shown. This is according to a new blog, an economic policy advisor who sourced data from the Internal Revenue Service tax forms to track wages for men between 25 and 55 and then rank those workers into 50 equally sized groups. The research focused on men because of the difficulties in getting uninterrupted earnings histories for women. Among the highest earning group, income surged by roughly 435% between 25 and 35. Those workers likely entered the labor market later in life and have more education. Those in the middle experienced a 65% uptick, and people at the bottom only realized about a 16% gain. And the income gap at age 25 was around three and a quarter times between the highest and lowest 2% of earners. The gap widened by age 35 for the top workers earning 15.3 times as much as the bottom workers. Between 35 and 45, median income males saw wages increase by 15%, sharply slower than the previous decade's 65% jump, while workers at the top saw wages increase another 150%. Therefore, the earnings gap between the highest and lowest wage jumped by 33.1 times. Between 45 and 55, bottom earners experienced a decline of 14% in their average earnings, while those at the top continued to see wage growth. This further increased income inequality. By age 55, the top earners had made 47.8% more than the bottom earning men. So substantial differences there. Many of them probably related to education. I don't know if they're looking at... A lot of people go on to extended education, get into the workforce later, but anyway, let's talk about something we're experiencing this time of year, and that's the top 10 destinations for snowbirds. Anyone who spent this past summer in Phoenix may have been wishing they'd spent it in Connecticut, North Dakota, or Minnesota, or some other northern cool climate. So-called snowbirds, retirees who spend cool months in the Sun Belt, return home to northern states or Canada for the other half of the year, just like the birds do, may have the right idea. With 2023 talking in as the hottest summer on record, especially in southern states like Arizona, Texas, and Florida, temperatures hit 110 degrees Fahrenheit and higher for weeks at a time in some of those places. Determine the top hidden gems for snowbirds, Architectural Digest, use Zillow, Yelp, World Weather API, all trails to rank 75 U.S. cities based on criteria that would appeal to those heading south for the winter. They looked at housing and lodging availability, reviews of activities and eateries, 
home sale prices and winter weather conditions. Here are the 10 best cities for snowbirds. Number one was New Orleans. Housing and lodging, they ranked number one. Then you had Naples, Florida. They actually ranked number two. Kind of interesting, though, New Orleans ranked 27th on the cost rank. Naples, Florida ranked 52nd. Then you had Honolulu, Hawaii was actually number three. Housing and lodging availability ranked eight. Activities ranked two. Weather ranked at two. Palm Springs, California came in at four. Their housing and lodging availability ranked fourth overall. Activities ranked fifth, but their cost was way up at 48. Gilbert, Arizona, housing and lodging ranked at 38. Activities ranked at one, cost at 39. Sedona, Arizona, housing ranked available ranked at fifth. Activities ranked fourth, cost is also fairly high at 55, weather at 67. They had this greatest selection of activities in Sedona. Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Louisiana was seventh, housing availability ranked seventh, activities 10. Yuma, Arizona, housing accessibility ranked ninth, activities ranked 11th, Coth ranked 12th, pretty, pretty attractive there. Corpus Christi, Texas, housing lodging availability ranked sixth, Activities 25, cost rank was 11, and 10, it was Mobile, Alabama, housing, lodging, availability ranked 18th, activities 9, cost ranked the 6th. Mobile also had the highest rated outdoor trails with light traffic. Dick Donahue with you with Wealth Wake Up here on KGMI this Sunday. Thank you for listening. Don't forget our live show next Saturday morning at 11. Hope you have a great week. Got questions for us? Give us a call, 360-733-1200. on the show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision.